ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so this now for the next few weeks is going to be the class on the fiqh of Ramadan going through the various rulings of Ramadan what is permissible what is not permissible also in terms of the rulings of how Ramadan begins the sighting of the moon about suhoor about iftar about various things <coughs> rulings linked to Ramadan and fasting. So we begin firstly by defining what fasting is. The word in Arabic is Saum or Sayam. You may have heard of those two words, Saum, Sayam. They are the words to mean fasting in Arabic. And those words, linguistically, sawm, sayam, linguistically, it means to hold back from doing something. To hold back from doing something. So you could say that I am fasting in speech. If you are silent and refusing to talk, you could say I am fasting from walking. You refuse to get up and walk. You are fasting from walking, holding back from doing that. So when you refrain, you hold back, you stop yourself from doing something, then you are technically, linguistically fasting from that thing. You are doing sawm and sayam in terms of holding yourself back from something. And that is mentioned in the Qur'an regarding Maryam alayhi salam where Allah said, إِنِّي نَظَرْتُ لِلرَّحْمَانِ سَوْمًا فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيَّةِ That I have vowed to my Lord, to Ar-Rahman, a fast. So I will not speak to a person. So that was the fasting in speech. So, linguistically, sawm and sayam mean to hold back from something, to stop yourself from doing something. Islamically speaking though, Islamically speaking though, fasting has a more precise definition. Islamically, fasting is to hold back from everything that breaks your fast, eating, drinking, etc. To hold back from everything that breaks your fast, with an intention to do so, from the beginning of Fajr time up until Maghrib, sunset. That is the Islamic definition of fasting. To hold back from everything that will break your fast, eating, drinking, etc. With an intention from the Fajr time up until the Maghrib time. From the start of the Fajr, Tulu' al-Fajr, up until Maghrib. So if you break down that definition, it is to hold back from everything that will break your fast. Somebody who does not hold back from those things and goes and purposely does them, eating, drinking, etc., then he's obviously not fasting. Somebody holds back from all of those things, but without an intention. Somebody, for example, today has been busy, so busy all day, they haven't eaten a thing since before Fajr, since last night. So now... Can we say that person has been fasting all day? Another hour or so and he'll have completed his fast for the day. No, because even though he's not done any of the things that break your fast, he hasn't got any intention to fast. 
So you got to hold back from everything that's going to break your fast with an intention from the beginning of Fajr to Maghrib. So somebody who holds back from everything with an intention from Fajr but then eats before Maghrib. So now he has not fasted. So you can see the definition how it works in its parts. Somebody who holds back, a Muslim who holds back from all of that which breaks your fast with an intention from the beginning of Fajr up until sunset. That is the definition of fasting Islamically. It also does need to be understood that all to hold back from everything that breaks your fast, the things that break your fast are two types, physical and non-physical. So you must hold back from the physical and the non-physical things that break your fast. Physical is obvious, food, drink, intercourse, etc. Non-physical, what are the non-physical types of things that break your fast? What we're talking about there is all of the evil in behavior and speech. All of the evil in behavior and speech, in swearing, in lying, in backbiting, all of that type of thing breaks your fast. Not absolutely though. Your fast for the day, the day will count. But the reward for the day, it will decrease and disappear. Sometimes you may have no reward left barely at all. So the point is a person holds back from everything that breaks his fast, whether actually completely breaking it or taking away all of the reward of it. You stay away from those things with an intention from the beginning of Fajr up until sunset. What is the ruling on fasting? The fasting of Ramadan is obligatory. Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصَّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبَلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ That all you who believe fasting has been prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed upon those who came before you. So we know that fasting is therefore obligated upon us and we know that fasting was obligated upon those who came before us, before the ummah of Muhammad ﷺ, previous nations, it was obligated upon them to fast too. And what is the wisdom behind it? The wisdom behind fasting, behind this pillar of Islam, is as Allah told us in the Qur'an, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety, that you may achieve righteousness. That is the objective in fasting. Anybody who thinks that fasting, it is simply about not eating and not drinking and feeling hungry. If anybody thinks that's what fasting is, then they have not understood what fasting is. Fasting is not just stop eating, stop drinking and feel the hunger. Everybody or many people seem to associate fasting with just that. Just the fact that you can't eat, the fact that you can't drink, the fact that you'll feel hungry, that is all the majority of people seem to associate with fasting. And that is a mistake. If a person thinks that's what fasting is, they haven't understood what fasting is. The Salaf, they used to say, the easiest part of fasting, the easiest, simplest part of fasting is to stop eating and drinking. That's nothing. Stop eating, stop drinking for the day until Maghrib. They used to say that's the easiest, simplest part of fasting. That's nothing. So then what is the actual fasting? If the food and drink, leaving that is nothing, that's a simple thing on the side, easy to do. What is the reality and the difficulty of fasting as the Salaf used to say? It is to leave the bad manners and the speech and the sins and your shortcomings and your wrongs. Leaving all of that is the difficulty. Stopping food and drink, that's easy. Don't eat, don't drink all day, open your fast. At Maghrib everybody manages that. 
But to stop your sins, to stop your wrongs, to stop your bad speech, your lying, your backbiting, your evil behavior, to stop those things, that's where the difficulty is. But that's what the point of fasting is. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Allah says the purpose, the wisdom behind fasting is that you may achieve piety. Piety isn't just feeling hunger, stop food and drink. Piety is leaving your sins and leaving your wrongs and leaving your bads and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala properly. Obedience to Allah. That is the piety that you are aiming to achieve through Ramadan. So a person needs to have that mentality fixed up from the beginning. Anybody who thinks Ramadan is just the hunger, it is just no food and drink, and that is all a person associates and thinks about when they think about Ramadan, they haven't understood the reality and the purpose of Ramadan, and therefore they may not benefit from Ramadan as you are supposed to benefit from it. The person who realizes that stopping eating, stopping drinking, yes, that's a part of Ramadan, to experience that hunger, to see for yourself, how weak a servant of Allah you are. A few hours without food, a few hours without drink, and your energy is gone. Also, you realize the blessings of Allah upon you compared to the people who are constantly feeling this hunger and this thirst throughout the year. So yes, that's a part of it. But لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety. Then it requires for you to understand Ramadan is about rectifying myself. Stopping my sins and my wrongs and my evil behavior and speech. That is the core. Stopping the food and the drink, everybody's going to do it. Even the people who don't pray, it comes to Ramadan, mashaAllah, they're fasting. They're not going to eat nor drink all day till Maghrib. Everybody can do that. But are they going to stop swearing all day? They carry on. They're going to stop the haram business they're doing, they're going to carry on. Everything else carrying on, no food, no drink though. So a person needs to understand, it is not just no food, no drink. It is to stop your evils and to rectify yourself and to achieve piety and patience during the month of Ramadan. And that is the real objective behind it. And that's why it's a blessed time. Allah has chosen the month of Ramadan to be a blessed time. It is a blessed time for the Muslims, an opportunity for rectification and that is the way a person needs to view Ramadan to really benefit from that month. If a person only views it as no food and drink and hunger, they come out at the end of it and their only attitude at the end will be that they are glad it's over. So then what has that person benefited from Ramadan? A person who comes out at the end of it and the only feeling they've got is a feeling of uh, relief that it's over and done and it's gone, alhamdulillah. And that's all they're thinking, then they haven't benefited they haven't understood what they've just been doing for a month. All they ever wanted was to get it over and done with. Then they haven't got what Ramadan is supposed to give you. So a person needs to fix up that mentality and understand the wisdom behind Ramadan in the first place. So that is a brief introduction into Ramadan. We'll get into some of the rulings of Ramadan now. The first one is obviously how do we determine the beginning of Ramadan? It's an issue of course, you see a lot of debate amongst the Muslims and the mosques. When is Ramadan beginning? Can we use calculations or not? All of those types of issues, they come into it. So, with those issues, there is a hadith, or there are several hadith that talk about this topic. One is the hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir. رضي الله عنه قال من صام اليوم الذي يشك فيه فقد عصى أبا القاسم صلى الله عليه وسلم In this hadith, he says that the Prophet said whoever fasts on the day of doubt then he has disobeyed the Prophet whoever fasts on the day of doubt, has disobeyed the Prophet ﷺ. The question obviously is, what is the day of doubt? So anybody, what is known as the day of doubt? 
Clearly it's something linked to Ramadan. But what is it? What is the day of doubt? Because the hadith is telling us whoever fasts on the day of doubt has disobeyed the Prophet Sallallahu Almost. When the people are uncertain whether Ramadan has begun Okay. So, now we're in the month of Sha'ban. That's the Islamic month before Ramadan. And in this month, we know Islamically a month is only ever going to be either 29 days or the full month is 30 days. No such thing as 31 days Islamic months on the lunar calendar. So we know this month of Sha'ban is going to be either 29 or 30. As far as I can see for this year, the 29th of Sha'ban is going to end up Tuesday the 15th of May. I think that's how it's looking like. Tuesday the 15th of May is going to be the 29th of Sha'ban the way it's looking like. So on Tuesday the 15th of May, if that's what it ends up as, that evening after Maghrib, across the world, people are going to go out to look for the moon. People are going to go out to try and sight the moon. On 29th of Sha'ban, which appears to be what it looks like, 15th of May. They're going to go out on that day looking for the moon, 29th of Sha'ban. If they see it, there are certain countries that make the announcement the moon has been sighted. Therefore, the next day is the first of Ramadan, which looks like therefore would be Wednesday the 16th of May. That would therefore be Ramadan. If, however, on the 29th of Sha'ban, they go out across the world, not a single announcement anywhere from any country, nobody's seen it anywhere. The next day would therefore be 30th of Sha'ban. You can't begin. Nobody's seen the moon anywhere. And therefore in that case, in that scenario, Eid would begin the day after, which looks like would therefore be 17th of May, Thursday. That's clear. That's not a problem. They go out on the 29th of Sha'ban. They look around. Not a single sighting anywhere in the world. The next day is therefore 30th of Sha'ban. The day after that is therefore the first of Eid, regardless of whether they see the moon on the 30th of Sha'ban or not. What if they don't even see it on the 30th of Sha'ban the next day? Doesn't matter because the month can never go into 31 days. So even if you don't see it, you know the next day is Ramadan. That's done. On the 29th, if they do see it, the next day is Ramadan. That's clear, no problem. The issue is, on the 29th of Sha'ban, they go out to look for the moon, but on the 29th of Sha'ban, it is a very foggy, misty, cloudy, rainy night. So when they go out trying to look for the moon, it's impossible to see a thing. Maybe behind all of that cloud cover and mist and fog, the new moon is there, maybe. Then again, maybe it's not. But you have no way of now knowing. Because of all of this fog and this cloud cover and the rain and whatever else, you can't tell if the new moon is there or not. So now the next day comes along and potentially it could be the first of Ramadan. Because last night the new moon may have been there, but you couldn't see because of all of the cloud cover and the fog and the mist. Or potentially the next day could just be 30th of Sha'ban, because despite all of the cloud cover, everything, there was nothing actually there. But how do you know which, which one is true? You don't. You don't? Therefore, in that scenario, the next day is known as the day of doubt. What's the scenario then? The scenario is if on the 29th of Sha'ban, due to certain factors obstructing the possibility of viewing, you are therefore unsure as to whether the moon is out or not. So therefore the next day is the day of doubt. 
If on the 29th day it's a clear night, you look everywhere, nothing to be seen. Is the next day the day of doubt? No, no because now you know the moon wasn't there. It was a clear night, you looked everything, visibility, it wasn't there. Next day isn't the day of doubt, it's the 30th of Sha'ban. <coughs> this is only a day of doubt if on the 29th you cannot tell. You're unsure because of cloud cover, rain, fog, mist, whatever. So then that next day now is the day of doubt. Maybe the moon was out last night, maybe it wasn't. They couldn't tell. What are you supposed to do that next day then? There's two options basically. You could either say, well, there's a possibility the moon was out last night. So to play it safe, we should just begin the first of Ramadan the next day, just in case the moon was out last night. Or you could say, well, at the end of the day, nobody sighted the moon. Regardless of why nobody sighted it, because of the fog and everything, bottom line, nobody sighted it. So we should just keep this next day as 30th of Sha'aban. Two possibilities of argument. Which one do you go with? Sha'aban? This hadith, what does it say? What we just read. Whoever fasts on the day of doubt has opposed the Prophet ﷺ. That's why the majority of the scholars, they say in that scenario, if on the 29th, no sighting is confirmed. But it's because there was such difficulty that night with making a sighting. So nobody's really sure if the moon was there or not. The ruling the majority of the scholars tell you is, based upon this narration, the next day you keep it as the 30th of Sha'ban. And there's going to be more proof coming up. Anybody who says, no, but what if it was there? I'm just going to start fasting just in case. Then that person, according to this narration, has opposed the way of the sunnah. So the majority of the scholars in that scenario, don't fast that <coughs> next day. It is the 30th of Sha'ban. So, that happens, and you don't fast the next day. So you consider it as the 30th of Sha'ban. Then you fast the day after that, and you fast, and you fast, and you fast. And next thing you know, on the 28th of Ramadan, that night the new moon comes out. Which therefore proves to you, on that night of doubt, the moon must have been there. Because the month can't be 28 days either. So that shows that first day, what you thought was the 30th, must have actually been the first of Ramadan. So are you sinful or are you what? Not at all. You've implemented the sunnah. We'll come to those rulings. Some of the scholars will say, therefore you can add a day afterwards. Because the next day you can't fast now. The moon has come out on the 28th. Next day has to be Eid. So then after that you could make up one day, and those kinds of rulings are different, will come to them. But the point here is, on the day of doubt, you don't fast. There are some scholars, there are, who say, no, you've got to take precaution, just in case, fast that day. There are some scholars. And they say, this narration isn't quite authentic, and things like that. But the majority of the scholars, basic ruling, you don't fast on the day of doubt. That is one point. The next point, linked to all of this yet, is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, رضي الله عنهما قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إذا رأيتموه فصوموا وإذا رأيتموه فأفضروا فإن غم عليكم فقدروا له and in another narration فإذا أغمي عليكم فقدروا له ثلاثين and in Bukhari فأكملوا العدة ثلاثين and also in Bukhari فأكملوا عدة شعبان ثلاثين in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ says when you see it, then begin fasting, begin Ramadan. And when you see it again, then open your fast, meaning do eat when you see it the next time. So when you see it, start fasting. When you see it again at the end, stop fasting. The hadith directly links the beginning of Ramadan and the end of Ramadan with the sighting of the moon. Clear in that narration. The wording tells you, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوا رَأَيْتُمُوا If you see it, if you see it, 
Ramadan begins. Obviously on the 29th, if you don't see it, then therefore Ramadan does not begin. That's exactly the meaning. If you see it, it begins. If you don't see it, then it doesn't begin. Next day is the 30th of Sha'ban, and then it begins after that. So if you see it, it begins, and when you see it again at the end, then Ramadan ends. Of course, on the 29th of Ramadan, if you don't see it, then Ramadan doesn't end. And the next day will be the 30th of Ramadan, then Eid. So this hadith very clearly highlights seeing the moon to start, seeing the moon to end. If you don't, then what happens? It mentions in the hadith, فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ In another one, فَإِذَا أُغْمِيَ عَلَيْكُمْ If it's covered up, cloud, mist, fog, you don't see it, then what do you do? أَكْمِلُ الْعِدَّةَ ثَلَافِينَ Complete 30 days. The hadith says, if you don't see it, complete 30 days. In one narration, it even mentions absolutely to the point, complete 30 days for Sha'ban. So now, and these are all Bukhari Muslim. All these hadith in Bukhari Muslim are now telling you, for Ramadan to begin, there must be a moon sighting. If there isn't, by the words of the Prophet ﷺ, he's telling you, if you can't see it, you don't see it, cloud cover, fog, mist, whatever, then complete Sha'ban as 30 days, hadith in Bukhari. So now from all of that, we can see very clearly that the beginning of Ramadan occurs in one of two ways, and there are two ways only. Either Ramadan is going to begin by sighting the moon, and if that doesn't happen, Ramadan is going to begin by completing 30 days of Sha'ban, and that is it. Bukhari, Muslim, as simple as can be. You see the moon on the 29th, Ramadan begins. You don't see it, finish off the next day as your 30th day of Sha'aban, and then the day after, Ramadan begins. Bukhari Muslim. That is as clear as you can get. It's not even like you need to give explanation. The wording is, أَكْمِلُوا عِدَّةَ شَعْبَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ Complete the number of days of Sha'aban as 30. The words of the hadith of Bukhari. So now when people come along and they say, but what about calculations? So for example, on the 29th, which as we said, looks like uh, Tuesday the 15th of May. If on that night, the Met Office, the Google and everything else, it says the moon will be out tonight. That night... You wait and you wait and you wait, not a single announcement from anywhere in the world that they spotted the moon. But your Met Office and your weather reports and everything, the scientific, the satellites are telling you the moon was out tonight. But not a single sighting anywhere in the world. Now what do you do? Now what are you going to do? They are telling you, the satellites are telling you the moon was there tonight. But not a single sighting anybody from anywhere. No country has announced they've seen it. So what do you do now? Even though the satellites, they are telling you everything, their Met Office report, the moon was there. This is the problem that you have with some of the Muslims. Because the opposite can occur too. Google and everything and Met Office tells you tonight the moon will not be visible. It won't be visible tonight. But next thing you know, on the 29th of Sha'ban, there's five, ten Muslim countries across the world announcing they've seen the moon. But the Met Office and the satellites and the weather reports are telling you, no, no, it was impossible to see the moon tonight. So now what? Now you get all the Muslims screaming and shouting. Those, they're, they're liars and what they're talking about. And look at the Google reports and the Met Office reports. It was impossible to see the moon tonight. All of them liars making announcements. That's what they start saying, everybody. The reality is, you don't follow these Met reports and, and satellites and anything else. Simple ruling in Islam. It's so simple. Muslims across the world on the 29th, you look for the moon. If you find it, 
Next day you begin Ramadan. If nobody finds it, then the next day is the 30th of Sha'ban. Nothing to do with using your telescopes and your satellite. Uh, well, telescopes is allowed. It's allowed to use that type of thing. But satellites and estimations and weather reports and everything else, that's never been a part of it. That's never been where the ruling of Islam is. And one of the reasons the scholars, they say, because Islam has not come for the few. Islam has come to the masses. How many of us across the world, how many of the one billion Muslims across the world own a satellite? So Islam hasn't come for the few. That we have to rely upon that no point, no, 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 no percent who got a satellite to tell us. Rather we can rely upon all of that billion to have a look with their own eyes. Islam is for the people, it is not for the few. So the satellites thing doesn't come into it. Even if the satellites tell you the, the weather report, met report, the moon cannot be sighted tonight. But the countries start making announcements, we've seen it. You take the word of the countries, you take the word of the Muslims and you fast. The opposite too, it says the moon is out tonight. Nobody sees it anywhere. You can't say, well, we got to begin. They said the moon was there today. You don't. Nobody saw it, you don't begin. Hadith tells you, if you don't see it, you don't begin. Doesn't matter about the satellite telling you it was there and whatever else. If you didn't see it, nobody saw it, then you don't begin. So it is as simple as that. And there are proofs for that coming here again yet. You have a hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. Radiyallahu anhu maqal, Tara'a nasu al-hilal, Fa'akhbartu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Anni ra'aytuh, Fa'asama wa amara al-nasa bi-siyamih. Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab, The son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, Radiyallahu anhu maqal, He says everybody went out to look for the new moon. They all went out to look for the new moon. And he says that he happened to be the one that spotted it. So he came back and told the Prophet ﷺ that he spotted the new moon. So the Prophet ﷺ commanded the people that Ramadan is beginning. <coughs> Upon the sighting of Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab. One person as well. It's not a condition has to be a full country or has to be this or that. One Muslim trustworthy the sighting can be taken. And in the Muslim countries, in Saudi, especially other places, they have the court system. Anybody who sees the moon, they go and register it with the courts officially. Everything is done properly. So, one sighting of a Muslim is sufficient. How do we know it has to be a Muslim sighting? Because of this next hadith. Hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhumah, he says, أَنَّ أَعْرَابِيًّا جَاءَ إِلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ فَقَالْ إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ الْهِلَالِ That a Bedouin, the, the nomadic people, this used to live out in the countryside and things, one of them came to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't know who this man was. A Bedouin from out in the villages and countryside. He came to the Prophet ﷺ and said to him that I've seen the new moon. The Prophet ﷺ didn't know who this man was. So the first thing the Prophet ﷺ said to him was, أَتَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Do you testify that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah? لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Do you testify to that? The man said, قَالَ نَعَمْ He said, yes. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Do you testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? أَتَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ قَالَ نَعَمْ The man said, yes. So now it's been established, this man is a Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ has established, he's a Muslim. So this testimony of his is a testimony coming from a Muslim. Then, once the Prophet ﷺ had established he's a Muslim, that's when the Prophet ﷺ then said to Bilal, أَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ يَا بِلَالْ أَنْ يَسُومُوا غَدًا He said to Bilal, in that case, go make the announcement to the people to fast from tomorrow. After establishing that he is Muslim. So the scholars, they use this hadith as a proof that the sighting has to come from a Muslim. That, if the people understood this narration, would cause a big problem with the Met Office and all these calculations and things. Have they got reliable Muslim scholars who are working in the Met Office telling you these things? Nothing of that. It's just these reports coming from anywhere here, there, who, Muslim, non-Muslim, who knows? The hadith tells you it must be the sighting of a Muslim. Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't just take his sighting when he came, didn't just take his word for it and said, okay, fasting. He found out first if he is Muslim. 
Then when he found out he's Muslim, he said to Bilal, in that case, go make the announcement. So that shows it must be the sighting of a Muslim. One Muslim will do. How do we know? Even in this hadith, how many Bedouins came to the Prophet ﷺ? One Bedouin, sufficient. In the previous narration, who saw it? Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab, one person. Does it have to be a man though? Or could it be one woman? We've established one person sighting is sufficient. But does that have to be one man? Or could it be one woman? Two women? One? Same? One Muslim trustworthy woman? It is the same. One trustworthy Muslim woman sees it, the testimony is accepted. One man or one woman? One man, woman, Muslim, a testimony can be taken. So that is regarding the issue of how Ramadan begins. The bottom line is there are only two ways the Sunnah Islam has taught us about how Ramadan begins. Either it's through seeing the new moon, or in the absence of that, it's through completing 30 days of Sha'ban. If all of the Muslims followed that, then none of these arguments and these debates would ever happen. Every year they always debate about oh, but the calculation and the Met Office and the, uh, the Moon Observatory and all these people. Some mosques in some cities, they even make agreements and contracts, maybe at the beginning of Ramadan. Even now, maybe they already made them. They already know what their Eid's going to be. True, some of them they do it. They've, uh, they've done it in the past. When they come together, they sit down, they look at the Met Office and everything, and what they're saying. And when the Met Office saying, is saying the moon's going to be out, Three weeks before Eid, maybe even before Ramadan, they sit down, have the meeting and they decide, well look, the Met Office is saying June the 15th, the moon is going to be there. All the Met Office reports are saying, let's all just agree 15th. And they do it, sign papers, agree everything, they do it. And maybe that will be wrong. These Met Office reports, are they 100%? Cannot be. Nobody has ilm al-ghayb, knowledge of the unseen. This is an estimation. Just like when they give you weather reports, it's an estimation. They tell you today on the weather report it was going to be 23 degrees. You all get your accurate thermometers out, maybe it was 24. They estimated it's going to be 23 today. Tomorrow they're estimating to you it's going to be 26. Get your thermometers, the precise ones out, maybe it's 25.4. Not quite. They estimate. It's not like they have knowledge of the unseen. But the mosques, some of them, they come and do this. They sit down, they use these reports. Upon that, they make contracts and agree. And I remember a few years ago, in one of the cities, they did it. In one of the towns, in one of the places, all the mosques got together, all the different sects, everybody, mashallah, we're going to do eat together. <laughs> so they sat down, Met Office got the reports, Met Office said it's going to be this day. All of them agreed, khalas, but this day, let's all sign the contract on that day. That's what the Met Office is saying, the moon's going to come out that day, Ramadan's going to finish. Let's just agree, all of us, that day. Forget about what announcement the countries make. Whether they make the announcement, don't make the announcements, forget all that, we're all going to be different days. Let's just agree on this Met report and do it on that day. They all signed. This was years ago, 10, 15 years ago, I remember once. They all signed. At the end, what happened? The Muslim countries made the announcements different to the Met Office. They saw the moon on different days to the Met Office. This is only an estimation. The moon was sighted. So when that happened, half of those mosques broke their contract and went with their sighting. <laughs> Which is good in terms of going with the sunnah. But look, you don't make these contracts on these things like this. Some mosques you go one week before the end of Ramadan, they've announced, Eid is going to be on this day. How can you? Impossible. You are doing something impossible. Because the sunnah tells you, look for the moon. You can only look for the moon on the 29th day. Before that, how are you making announcements? And some of the mosques, they even go so far, if it looks like it's going to be Friday or Saturday, they all decide on the committee, let's just fix it as Saturday. Make it easy for everybody. Don't have to, you know, no work. They do this. This is true. They say it's not going to be work day for everybody. Weekend, Saturday, good for the kids, everything. Let's just fix it on the Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not just me making it up. I've heard about all of these things happening. They fix these types of things. 
You'll be amazed, you'll be amazed, of course this is completely haram. There are some mosques, they pray their Jumu'ah at Dhuhr time on Saturday. Completely misguided, completely misguided. <laughs> Happens, this is true in some places. Of course these people are completely misguided. And they do their Jumu'ah prayer, they don't do it on Friday, Friday everybody working, school, this, that, the other. Saturday at Dhuhr time, they don't pray Dhuhr four rakat, they do khutbah and pray Jumu'ah Saturday at Dhuhr time. They say, look, make it easy for everybody. These things in some places across the world, they happen. So, these types of things are completely in opposition to the Sunnah. The very basic ruling is on the 29th of Sha'ban, which looks like, uh, how it's looking like, it's going to be May the 15th on a Tuesday. So that day after Maghrib, they're going to look for the moon. If they see it somewhere, announcements happen somewhere, then the next day can be Ramadan. Nobody makes any announcements, no Muslim country, then forget about what the report or whatever anybody is saying, there is no Ramadan the next day, it's the 30th of Sha'ban. Simple as that. So that is regarding how Ramadan begins. Then moving on to the next topic, we'll just do this next second topic. That was the first topic. The second topic we'll do today as well, short one, is the topic of intention in Ramadan. The intention of fasting. We have two hadith regarding the intention of fasting we're going to mention here. One of them is the hadith of Hafsa, Ummul Mu'minin, the wife of the Prophet she says that the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man lam That whomsoever doesn't make the intention before Fajr for the next day, then otherwise his next day doesn't count as a fast. You must have made your intention for the next day before the end of Suhoor time, before the end of Fajr, uh, the beginning of Fajr. You must have made your intention during the night, the night before, the night before the Fajr time of that day. Otherwise, no fast. But then we have this hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, wife of the Prophet She says, دَخَلَ عَلَيَّ دَخَلَ عَلَيَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ She says, one day the Prophet came home and he said, هَلْ عِنْدَكُمْ شَيْءٍ Have you got any food in the house? She said, La. That no, they had absolutely no food in the house that day. So she said, No, there is absolutely no food in the house today. Qal, so the Prophet said, and remember this was in the middle of the day. The Prophet had been out here somewhere. He comes home in the middle of the day, says to Aisha radiallahu anha, Is there any food in the house? He wants to eat. She says, Today, absolutely, we have nothing in the house. And that is how it used to be with the Prophet sometimes. She said, We have nothing in the house. He said, إِذَنْ إِنِّي صَائِمٌ فَإِنِّي إِذَنْ صَائِمٌ He said, in that case, I am going to just call it a fast for the day. I'm going to fast for the day in that case. What's happened with the intention? Did he have an intention, the Prophet ﷺ, from before Fajr to fast? Middle of the day, he came home وسلم, and he wanted to eat. Didn't have any intention to fast. When he discovered there's no food in the house anyway, and he hadn't eaten or drunk anything since before Fajr anyway. Then he decided, well in that case, I'll just carry on then. There's no food anyway. I haven't eaten or drunk anything since before Fajr anyway. I'll carry on and call it a fast for the day. So the intention was made in the middle of the day. So what does that show us about the intention? What is the ruling about making the intention for fasting? One hadith saying, gotta be before Fajr, otherwise it doesn't count. And the other one, the Prophet ﷺ himself made the intention in the middle of the day and called it a fast. Absolutely. The two hadith are talking about the difference between obligatory fasting and nafal fasting. Obligatory fast like Ramadan, you have to make your intention before Fajr. Before Fajr you make your intention, I'm going to get up suhoor, everything fasting tomorrow. You have that already before Fajr. Optional fasting, optional fasting, like tomorrow, for, like today now. Imagine today right now, somebody in this room hasn't eaten or drunk or done any of the things that break your fast since Fajr this morning. Right now, that person could make an intention for fasting, there's 20 minutes left, 
and they'll get the reward for some fasting for the day. That would be allowed as an optional fast. So optional fasting, just anything outside of Ramadan, the, the optional fasts, in the middle of the day, if you haven't done anything of eating or drinking or those things, then you can just make the intention, let me just do it, a fast for the day. And you can do it. As long as you haven't done anything already that morning, which would normally break the fast. If you've already eaten in the morning, then you can't say, okay, let me fast for the rest of the day. That doesn't count as a day of fasting. You ate after sunrise, after Fajr. So as long as you haven't done anything since Fajr, then in the middle of the day, afternoon, whatever, you could decide, well, I have not done anything since Fajr anyway. Let me call it a fast, make an intention, I'll carry until Maghrib then eat. And you'll get reward for optional fasting. But the obligatory one has to be before Fajr. So now imagine somebody's got some days to make up from last year Ramadan. Somebody sat in the room right now, has got a day left to make up from last Ramadan. They're thinking to themselves, actually, you know what? Since Fajr this morning, I haven't eaten anything, I haven't drunk anything, I haven't done anything. I've got that one day left to make up, let me just make the intention now to make up that day. That would be incorrect, because that making up of the day is the making up of a, an obligatory fast. So your intention to make up that fast has to be from before Fajr. The middle of the day intention is just the, the nafal, just a, a general optional fasting. Obligatory ones gotta be from the beginning of the day, from the Fajr before the Fajr. That's the difference regarding the intentions. There is uh, one issue left here, which is about to do with the moon sighting. Uh, just mentioned at the end here. Moon sighting can be two different styles. It could be a localized moon sighting or it could be an international moon sighting. There is this issue. Localized moon sighting, meaning in your lunar region, in your lunar region, your country, maybe some other neighboring countries, your lunar region. Like Australia, for example, would be nowhere near our lunar region. Maybe on the 29th of Sha'aban, down in Australia, they see the moon which is going to be several hours, their Maghrib is going to be several hours before us. Eight hours, nine hours, whatever it is later, ten hours later, our Maghrib comes in. We look and we don't see the moon. Possible. It is possible. Their Maghrib came in ten hours ago on the 29th of Sha'ban, they spotted it. Ten hours later for us, we look around, we don't spot it. Could happen. Differences in those regions, lunar regions, could have differences. So now then, what do you do? Are you supposed to look with your sighting in your lunar region and go by that? Or do you go by the international lunar region? It's two opinions of the scholars. It is two different issues here. Many people, they will just go with the international sighting. Muslim countries make the announcements, start. Some people may say, no, we're going to stick to just our lunar region. Whatever happens in our lunar region, that's what we're going to follow. If in our lunar region, moon isn't sighted tonight, those countries in the east have sighted it, that's okay. But in our lunar region we didn't, we're going to carry on. And then do eat the day after that. Technically that's okay. It is. Some people claim to do that. Normally it ends up being like some of the Sufi groups, or they might call themselves Brailwee groups and things like that. They say, we follow Morocco. We only stick to Morocco. And that you could say, they may say to you, that's our lunar region. Us, these countries here, Morocco, Tunisia, that's us close by. We'll stick to those moon cycles. Technically, yes, you can. If you are actually doing that. But the reality is, are they actually doing that? Because when half of the time Morocco and these countries end up doing the same as Saudi, then all of a sudden... The problem is that really they don't want to do it with the Wahhabis and everything as well. <laughs> so now Morocco and everybody else is doing it the same day as Saudi and everybody else. Then you'll see them still going against even Morocco and stuff. So are they really following their lunar region? Not. If, so, if somebody was genuinely doing it, then you could make a case for it. That we're sticking to our lunar region. But most people, they have other political and whatever else objectives and all types of things. So it doesn't really work often with a lot of people. But that's something just to highlight anyway.
to the mother today. Here. 20 minutes, in that case we can do one more thing. Last thing we'll finish off on, this is the third topic. First topic was how does Ramadan begin? Second topic was regarding the intention. Third topic now is about the suhoor and iftar. A small topic about the suhoor and iftar. Four hadith here. Hadith number one says, that the Prophet ﷺ said of Sahal ibn Sa'id, لا يزال الناس بخير ما عجل الفطر The people will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten with the iftar. They do the iftar early on time. Meaning they don't delay the iftar. You know some Muslims, that's what they do. The sunset time is like 9-12. 12 minutes past 9. But they'll say, no wait. Let it get to 20 past, then we'll open the fast. Just to make sure. Let it get a bit more darker. Give it another 10 minutes. Then we'll open the fast. Make it sure. That's impermissible. And that's against the sunnah. The hadith here says, the people will remain upon barakah, upon goodness, as long as you open your fasts on time, quickly on time. Don't delay. It's sunset time. Open your fast. Because look, those people who say, let it get a bit more darker, give it 10 more minutes after sunset, then we'll open. After Ramadan, when it comes to Maghrib time, do they do that for the rest of the year? For the rest of the year, as soon as Maghrib time, do the Adhan and pray. They don't say, no, no, wait 10 more minutes to make sure it's Maghrib. They know it's Maghrib time now, let's do the Adhan and pray. But for Ramadan, because they want to make sure of the fast, because just in case, they want to put extra minutes on. And it's impermissible. It's against the sunnah. When it's Maghrib time, it's Maghrib time. You open your fast. That's what the sunnah says, the hadith says. The people will remain upon goodness as long as they open their fasts on time hastily. Not delaying it. Second hadith says of Abu Huraira that Allah mentions in the hadith Qudsi, أَحَبُّ عِبَادِ أَعْجَلُهُمْ that Allah says the most beloved of my slaves are the ones who are the uh, it translates like the quickest ones in opening their fast and it means the ones who open their fasts on time they don't delay that they are the beloved ones to Allah they open their fasts on time because look we've been told about fasting it is from Fajr up until Sunset, that's what you've been told, that's what fasting is. So do it exactly like that. At sunset, you open your fast. Going beyond that, it's, it's not from the sunnah. The third hadith, or the four, yeah, third hadith, either, oh, so that's the first two narrations. What do we learn from those first two narrations? At the iftar time, you are supposed to open on time. Don't delay and don't say any of this stuff about give it 10 more minutes, it still looks very light outside. Give it another 10 minutes, then we'll open it. That type of thing is not from the sunnah, it is against the sunnah. So you open your fast on time when it's sunset. The next narration tells you how to open your fast. إِذَا أَفْطَرَ أَحَدُكُمْ فَلْيُفْطِرْ عَلَى تَمْرِ فَإِن لَمْ يَجِدْ فَلْيُفْطِرْ عَلَى مَا فَإِنَّهُ طَهُورٌ in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, when one of you opens his fast, then do it with dates. That's the sunnah. Do it with dates. And especially if you can get those, the moist type of dates. The, you know, the slightly moist and wet type of dates. If you can get those type of dates, even better. But open your fast on dates. If you cannot find dates, then open your fast with water. That is the sunnah. To open your fast, do it with dates and water. Dates first. If you can't find dates, then water. If you haven't got dates or water, then with whatever else. But the sunnah is to use dates in opening the fast, especially if you have the moist kind of dates. If you don't have the moist kind of dates, then the second category is the normal dry dates, but dates. If you haven't got any dates, then with water. That is the sunnah in opening the fast. Something else linked to that issue is, that when you open your fast, you're not supposed to sit down for a big meal. When you open your fast, use your dates, your water, etc. Some fruit and bits and bobs if you want. Then though, you go and pray. After the prayer, this is how the Prophet used to do it. 
he used to open his fast with dates and water, then go pray Maghrib. Then if he felt hungry and he wanted to eat after the prayer, he would sit down and eat. That is the way of the sunnah. It's a mistake, you go to some mosques and they've got all the paper laid out and they've got the rice and everything and samosa and the whole thing is there. And then you're going to sit down for half an hour eating, then everybody gets up and prays. That's against the sunnah. Sunnah should be dates, water, open your fast, go and pray. Then they can sit down and lay it out and relax and eat. No problem then. But you shouldn't lay it out and half an hour, 40 minutes eating, then go and pray. That is against the sunnah. The last narration here then, of Anas ibn Malik, that the Prophet ﷺ said, تَسَحَّرُوا فَإِنَّ فِي السُّحُورِ baraka." Have the suhoor because in it is barakah. Having the suhoor before fajr, it is a sunnah. It's not wajib, meaning if you missed it even on purpose, your fast would still be valid. Even if you decided, I don't want to eat anything in suhoor today, you don't eat anything and you just fast like that, your fast counts, it's valid. But you've gone against the sunnah. You've gone against the sunnah by doing that. You should have something for suhoor. Even if... You know, obviously at that time, three in the morning, maybe a person doesn't feel like eating anything. Even if that be the case, the scholars say, have a sip of water. Have a date. Have something tiny. Even if it's just a few sips of water, then at least you've done a suhoor. And therefore you've got the barakah of it. You've implemented the sunnah and you've got the barakah of suhoor. So even if you don't feel like eating anything, just have a couple of sips of water at least, so that you've implemented the sunnah that the Prophet says, have the suhoor, there's barakah in it. On top of that, having the suhoor is a sunnah because it opposes the people of the book. The Jews when they used to fast, they fast without a suhoor. So this was one of the oppositions to the people of the book. Muslims fast with a suhoor before starting. And there is barakah in that suhoor, the Prophet ﷺ says. There's blessings in it. That food, it gives you some energy for the day. To be able to do your worship for the day. You don't want to be all day lying around. Nothing. Ramadan, fasting. You want to do ibadah during the day as well. Worship during the day. So that suhoor gives you a bit of energy for the day as well. So in this narration we're told, it is a sunnah to have the suhoor. There's barakah in it. And you shouldn't leave it. Even if you don't feel like anything... Have a few sips of water so you've had a suhoor. That should be done. Uh, there's another narration as well, which mentions about delaying the suhoor. About delaying the suhoor. The iftar is supposed to be right early on time. Suhoor is supposed to be as late as possible before the closing time. So you're not supposed to have suhoor early. That's supposed to be right at the end, just before, as close as you can get to the closing time. That's the sunnah. What is the closing time though, is the question. What is the closing time? If you go to some of the uh, timetables, closing time is at 12.30. <laughs> That's true, you've seen it, you've seen the timetables. Miskini goes to mosque, he prays taraweeh, he comes back, he thinks, okay, let me eat. And then his phone tells him, you've already finished. You fasted. <laughs> <laughs> All these types of timetables, obviously they're wrong. Again, they try to th- say, be extra precautious. 12, one, about 12.45, 1 a.m., that's what they say on their timetables. 1 a.m.-ish. 1 a.m., it starts. And that doesn't start. No, for the rest of the year, when you look at their calendar, do they say Fajr time starts at 1 a.m.? As soon as Ramadan finishes, you look at the next month calendar, Fajr time, 3.22 a.m. But in the Ramadan, one day before Fajr time was one, uh, one, uh, one minute past one. So how has this two hour Fajr changed? So it's a strange thing. That timetable, they're not right. The closing time is the normal starting time of Fajr. Normal starting time of Fajr. So these days, for example, these days in the summer in the UK, starting, uh, starting time of Fajr normally, when is it? It's about... Before sunrise by about how much? It's about roughly an hour and a half. Roughly. One hour 40 minutes, one hour 30 minutes, roughly. So these days in the summer in the UK, when we come into Ramadan mid-May, sunrise in those days is going to be around about 
somewhere near 4.35. So your closing time is going to be around about somewhere like 3 o'clock or something. 3, maybe in the early days, 3.30, somewhere around about there. About one and a half hours before the sunrise. So if they try and tell you, no, the closing time is 3 hours before sunrise, it's a mistake. You don't have to stop eating then. You stop eating when the Fajr time enters. And that normally is around about one and a half hours, one hour, 40 minutes, maybe one hour, 45 minutes before sunrise. That's it. And that's where you start your fasting from. So that's where the suhoor should be taken then, right there near the end. If it's, let's say, 90 minutes, for example, Fajr is at 4.30 entry time, uh, uh, 4.30 sunrise. So then, for example, 90 minutes, closing time 3 a.m. So you should have your suhoor just before that. Quarter to three, whatever it is before that, have your food. So you finish up just near the time of the closing time. It's a mistake what people do when uh, maybe at 12 o'clock, they're tired, have a big meal, then again open a fast at 9.30, then at 12 again have a more food meal, go to sleep, that's it. No suhoor, no fajr, no nothing. You've missed your suhoor, you've missed your fajr prayer, you missed everything. That's wrong. Suhoor isn't at midnight, three hours before fajr. Suhoor should be right at the end, at the closing time. So, that is some of the rulings regarding the suhoor. That's where we'll finish up today then. Next week we'll start on some uh, more of the rulings of uh, uh, fasting. There's uh, quite a few things we'll talk about, different things of fasting. We'll begin with that from next week then. Next week, normal time, 7.30pm, inshaAllah ta'ala. We'll conclude upon that today. Any questions on that so far then? Adhan is not a condition. The condition is the entry time of Maghrib. So if a mosque delays the Adhan, like some of them we were talking about, they might want to give it 10 minutes more to be sure. When you look at their timetable the day before Ramadan, it was at 9, uh, 9.12. And all of a sudden, the first day of Ramadan is going to 9.27 or something. Or 9.29 or something. So you know they're delaying it on purpose. Everywhere else you look, you know Maghrib time is 15 minutes before that. You can open your fast. You can open your fast. If they are actually, and you know, definitely upon knowledge, they are delaying the adhan beyond Maghrib, you can open your fast at Maghrib. Can you say, can you say, It's not really a sunnah thing. The salaf never used to say those types of things. You can say generally about... Uh, you know, glad tidings to people and giving them uh, congratulations for Ramadan coming. Generally, you can. Generally. Even the statement Ramadan Mubarak and these things, generally the scholars may not say too much about it. But it's, it's not like a sunnah or something that you're going to go around and say these things or people send messages before the night before Ramadan. Forgive me if I've done anything wrong and forgive me for my things like this. That's a bid'ah. That kind of thing, it's a bid'ah. People sending all these messages, Ramadan's here, forgive me for this year if I've done anything wrong, and you know, all these things, pardon me and everything, Ramadan's here. That's a bid'ah. <coughs> to do that kind of thing is no sunnah like that. So, uh, generally, it's not a sunnah mentioned, but you know, to be happy for the arrival of Ramadan, those things is good. Uh, do you know on the point of uh, making intention for the fast? Mm. Uh, do you know, for example, for the obligatory fast, you have to keep the intention, intention for, obviously for the optional fast? You have in your mind every night you put your when you put your alarm on for suhoor time, why are you doing that? Because you've got an intention for the next day subconsciously you're gonna okay. get up to fast. So that's an intention there in your mind. It doesn't mean you have to stop and think to yourself, okay, I'm gonna fast tomorrow. But it's there, that intention is there, you know you're setting your alarm because you have an intention to fast tomorrow. You've got all that intention in your mind. You've prepared the food in your kitchen, you've got it laid out because you have an intention, you're going to get up at 3 a.m. and eat it for the fast tomorrow. All of that is your intention to fast. Hmm. Yeah, some scholars, they say that. Some scholars, they say the night before Ramadan begins, you make your intention for the whole of Ramadan, that I am going to fast the whole of Ramadan, I'm going to fast every day, you make that one intention and it's for the whole of Ramadan. But other scholars, they say every night you need to have some type of intention that you're fasting tomorrow. And everybody does. You all set your alarms, you all get your food ready, you know you're going to get up tomorrow fast.
With regards to the Sahur you mentioned and some of the masajids, they actually bring the Sahur to 115. No. Uh, my wife's family are from Dewsbury, so there they actually established the Fajr prayer at 1.30. Mm. So we always advise them not to pray the Fajr at that time. But their argument is because the congregation on prayer, they should go and pray the Fajr at 1.30. Mm. It would, I mean, it appears that they are praying before the entry time of Fajr, if that is the case. That's what it appears like. And even on their own calendar. Because the, the day before Ramadan, they're praying Fajr at 3 o'clock. The first day of Ramadan, now they're praying at 1.30. What's happened? So you can see there's something not right there. And the day after Ramadan, then Fajr will be back by two hours again. So that type of thing, you can see they are doing it out of precaution and things, which is against the sunnah. And you may be going out of the time of Fajr. So you shouldn't pray on that time. Delay it, pray it after. Make a jama'ah in your home if you have to. Mm. And a person fasted, he misses, for example, he wakes up for Fajr and goes back to sleep. But his fast, he can't for that day. He, he wakes up for Fajr? He wakes up for his eyes open for Fajr, but he goes back to sleep. So he missed Fajr in the, in the end? Yeah, missed Fajr that whole time. No, yeah, you, I mean, then obviously, then you, when you get up, you pray your Fajr. And your yeah. fast counts for the day. But your fast counts. Misses the fajr like no, if he purposely misses prayers, then you know some scholars, they've mentioned, if you're not praying, now what are you talking about fasting? Praying is which pillar of Islam? Praying, praying, number two. For salah, shahada, then salah. Then after that is fasting. So which one's more important? Prayer. So it's strange, people they don't pray, but when it comes to Ramadan every year they fast. Second pillar, you're missing the higher one, but you're doing the one which is afterwards. Some scholars they say, if you're not praying, your fasting doesn't even count. It won't count. Some scholars they say that. Alright, we'll leave it there. Next week we'll carry on inshallah ta'ala.